Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Welcome to our weekly Lawn and Garden show. We call it Smart Garden. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages for this morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Julie. Hey, Denny. How you doing this morning? I, I'm doing really well, and uh, I feel real proud of myself oh, I because <laughs> because <laughs> some of my dormant seating actually turned out hey, way over to the go. winter. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, now did you bring a special friend and guest? Yes, my colleague and turf expert Maggie Ryder is on today too. So there's the long question guru right there. Yeah. All right. Hey, good Very morning. good. Good morning, Maggie. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again. Well, it was a great year for dormant seating, Denny. I saw a pretty good take uh, in the metro area. Must have oh, something you, about you know the snow cover and the, and the spring rains that we had. Oh, you mean it wasn't because of my expertise then? <laughs> I think it's because of the show. <laughs> the show did it, yeah. yeah. But I still have some, uh, some uh, maybe other people do as well, because, you know, we have great people who do snow plowing during the winter. Uh, mm-hmm. One time they, uh, it looked like they scraped about uh, 20, 30 feet of my uh, front yard oh. by the curb. But that's right. So we, we have some doctoring to do. But I think, and looking at the forecast, and uh, Maggie, you can help out with this. Uh, this is a probably, you know, we have cool weather. So we can still seed, can we not? Yeah, you know this. Most of what I have to say, say today, I think, will be a rollover from last time. We can we can still be doing all the same things. So it's it's a little bit on the cool side, um, but next week, you know, it's going to warm up a little bit and grass is going to start to grow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's still an okay time to do uh, seeding, fertilizing. Uh, you know, a lot of people are doing their first mowing in the last week. Um, there's still even time to put out crabgrass preventer too. All right, excellent. If you have any kind of a question, lawn or garden type for Julie or Maggie, 651-989-9226. Here's one that uh, text that came in just a bit ago. Uh, what do you know about planting potted tomatoes sideways versus upright? Will the root system double in size? I've never heard of that. Yeah, well, tomatoes put out uh, quite a few roots up the up the stem, so... You can build a pretty hefty root mass with those tomatoes, and yes, you could plant them sideways, uh, and and then stake, you know, kind of lay the lay the stem sideways, and then 
uh, stake the uh, tomato vertical, you know, the, the, the part with the foliage on it. But, you know, the other thing to do is, is consider the size of your container because uh, what I've often seen is people plant tomatoes in too small of containers and the root mass becomes pretty much pot bound and it really stresses the plant. So just be sure you're using as big a container as you can. Um, if you're going to plant them horizontally like that, I would say that might be something for a garden bed because it gives you a lot more room to really develop those roots. So, But containers should be as big as they possibly can be. All right. Very good. Uh, by the way, the phone number and the text number are the, are the same, 651-989-9226. Uh, the best time, texter wants to know, prune back Taunton ewes. You can prune your ewes now. Uh, and uh, what I would just recommend is, like with any evergreen, the foliage needs as much sunlight as possible. So even ewes. Ewes are shade tolerant, but they need as much light as possible. So prune your ewes more like a pyramid or uh, with or um, uh, like a bullet shaped, so that you have light getting to those bottom branches. Too many times we see people prune them like a ball, and all of those branches that are at the bottom are all shaded from any light, and that's when they get really thin at the bottom. So just just prune them. Think about those lower branches that they're getting enough light. Okay, let's go to the phones. John is calling in this morning from uh, Victoria, I believe. John, you're on with Julie and Maggie. Hey, I have two questions for you. The first one is related to lawn. I have a couple of low spots in my grass. Uh, grass is growing fine, and I, I want a top dress to elevate that those low spots. So I'd like to know if when the right time to elevate and how much top dressing I could do. That's the first question. Second question is I have a whiting birch. And is it too late to prune back some of the branches that are overhanging into the uh, yard, interfering with mowing the grass? Okay, well, I I'll go first. Okay, you go ahead. <laughs> About low spots in the lawn. So, I mean, yeah, you basically just want to put add some material there that levels it out. I mean, you can do it you can one time fast, or you can do it slowly over time. So if you do it one time, you know, maybe you have to put an inch or two inches of material in there, that's going to probably damage the grass below. So you'd have to seed some grass on top of that. Um, but if you're willing to do a more slower approach over a couple of years, I'd say top dress with like one quarter of an inch of material at a time, you know, in the spring, once in the spring and once in the fall. And after a couple of years of that, that should help. As far as what material to use, um, you want to match, try to find something that matches the soil type that you have. Like, one thing it would be, you don't want to use sand if you have like a really clayey soil. Um, so just, you know, it depends on, on what your, your native soil type is there and try to consider that um, as, as far as what you're going to put on top of it. So as far as the birch goes, you can still prune your birch. Um, with the temperatures that we've had, where we've had these pretty cool temperatures and, and quite cool temperatures at night, you might see some bleeding. And that's where the sap runs, where you make the cuts. Um, so just be aware of that. It's not harmful to the plant, um, and and that's where the sap runs, where you make the cuts. Um, so just be aware of that. It's not harmful to the plant, um, and 
uh, it should it should be fine. But um, the best time to prune birch is actually in the winter when the sap is not going to run at that point. But now we've got these warmer days, cooler nights, that kind of thing. So we get the sap run a little bit. But just be aware of that. All right, very good. Let's I tell you what, let's take a quick break here, inviting our listeners to join in, especially if you have a lawn question today. Maggie is joining Julie today and uh, answering those questions. Lawn and Garden Talk here on a Saturday morning at 651-989-9226. We've moved to 37 degrees now in the Twin Cities. We'll have a look at that forecast coming along. We should hit about 50 later today. And we hope to see some sunshine as well. Stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO Radio. Denny along here with uh, Julie and Maggie from the University of Minnesota. We're an- answering your lawn and garden questions uh, all hour at 651-989-9226. And we have a bunch of both folks, so let's get to it. I think Tom in Minnetonka is first on the phone here. Thanks for waiting, Tom. What is your question? Yeah, I got a, a turf question and a soil question. Uh, first, I'll, the soil question is, I just moved, and I have terraced backyard, and I found out it's all fill, and it's pretty much like gravel and rock and sand. So I want to plant a pretty extensive garden back there, like a lot of shrubbery. So what I started doing is I've been digging holes and making it bigger and then filling in around the the plant with uh, peat moss and uh, manure. Is that going to end up just being like potting it or is it going to be okay? And my second question is I have a fire pit area and I don't, I want to put like something green around it. I don't want to pave it. But what can take foot traffic? And I thought about, like, clover, but clover doesn't come out until pretty late in the season. So I can't think of anything that they really tolerate. I checked online about traffic, uh, turf, you know, it takes high traffic. And even that was saying that for something like that, that's probably not really good. So help me. Well, I'll start with the terraced garden. You are actually just creating pots within your uh, soil. I'm so sorry that you have fill in there. I really, really feel for you. Uh, the better way to approach this is to actually amend the whole so- the whole bed at one time, and not to just dig holes and put in pot- a potting soil and with peat and or whatever you're putting in that mix. So you want to actually get in some good compost and mix that in. Actually till it into the existing soil. So I know it's fill. But you can change that and improve it and make it a good, uh, a good growing place. And then you have to be picking those rocks out as you find them, which you're probably already doing. So rather than planting these little pots, these little uh, individual holes with the soil in it, uh, what that does essentially, just like a pot, is that the roots actually grow just within that little space. They never expand out into the greater part of the, of the, of the garden bed. So um, I would recommend getting in some uh, quality uh, compost and mixing that in. You can look at it, get in bulk. You can buy it in bags um, and, and mix that in, till that in. If you've planted plants already, you can probably still dig them back up and put them into containers while you do the soil amending. You know, I can talk about the traffic tolerance grasses i mean you know foot traffic there's there are certainly options that can withstand uh foot traffic uh or the go-to for this would be uh tall fescue i think 
Um, and and I, when I say tall fescue, you want to definitely select newer, sort of higher quality varieties. Older varieties of tall fescues can be more susceptible to disease and they have a really like clumpy growth form. Um, so tall fescue is traffic tolerant, it's drought tolerant, um, and it is somewhat shade tolerant, um, which is, I, I, you know, maybe helpful for the backyard. Um, another, you know, Kentucky bluegrass is, is pretty uh, traffic tolerant too, but it's a little bit more higher input than the tall fescue. So it would need more uh, regular fertilizer, maybe some watering um, and more frequent mowing, and, it, and it's not as shade tolerant. So, I mean, between those two, those are your best options for traffic tolerant turf. All right. Very good. Thanks for the call. Here's a text that says, I have some bushes in my front yard, bought my house last September, and they were very overgrown and ugly. I thought they were some type of honeysuckle, but two weeks ago they bloomed very pretty yellow flowers, and now I think they're weeping for Scythia. Any tips on how to tell them apart, and how can I prune them so they're under control and better looking once the flowers die and the leaves come in? So it probably is for Scythia. And um, I'm not sure about the weeping part of it, but you want to prune forsythia after it blooms. It's early spring, as you know, uh, early spring blooming. So it's going to be setting flower buds for next year in the coming weeks. So now is the time to prune those. You can do two different kinds of pruning. And I'd probably recommend uh, something called renewal pruning. This is where you're taking out about a third of the biggest stems uh, so, so getting down as close as you can to the base of the plant and cutting out those big stems. And that allows the younger, uh, more um, flexible, blooming stems to actually emerge and get more light. And that will create more flowers for next year. It might be kind of shocking because you may be taking out a lot of the old plant and you might think you're taking out too much, but you won't be. Those younger plants are going to, those younger stems are really going to grow over the summer and, uh, and leaf out nicely. The other option is called rejuvenation pruning, where you literally take the plant down to the ground. I wouldn't recommend that. It's, it's a bit um, drastic. And I think that if you start by just doing, taking out those biggest uh, stems first, that will get you uh, to a much nicer looking plant. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Linda, I believe, is calling in from Malacca this morning. Linda, thanks for waiting. What is your question? Uh, we have a garden with both rocks in it and our dirt, and we have mold over the top, and we don't want this because we have also moss roses coming up. So what do I do with the moss? So you have moss coming up in the garden. Right. Okay. And we also have rocks that we're finding that also is coming up over the rocks and over the dirt. So so it's growing up over the rocks and the soil. Okay. Right. So moss is indicative of, of course, moisture, excessive moisture, compact soil, so soil that's become compacted, and also shade. So those are kind of the three major ingredients that form moss. And you can remove the moss now, just scraping it off. But then you want to figure out, you want to look at the site and figure out, have we got too much shade here? Or if it's a shade garden, maybe we need to uh, loosen up the soil. And you can do that by adding in compost. You can, uh, you can turn that soil gently uh, and uh, loosen it up. If it is, um, you can think about planting some plants that have kind of a, a bigger root system like ornamental grasses, if that's uh, feasible. Um, 
But that's usually most of the issue with moss in a garden. It's usually too wet. So then also look at the drainage, and that you can amend by putting in compost also. Compost really helps a lot of things. And we have an excellent article on our Yard and Garden News about compost and organic soils and about how to get a good balance and not have too much organic matter. So uh, I would say read that, but I would look at loosening up the soil, look at the shade, and if it's a shade garden, then I would look at the drainage and, uh, and, and uh, also the moisture, try to reduce the moisture. Right. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, especially lawn question, Julie is uh, joined by Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota today. So any turf lawn type of question, today is your day. Uh, here's the number for text or phone, 651-989-9226. Julie and Maggie, let's take a break, have a look at that forecast, see what's coming up uh, temp-wise the rest of this coming week, and be with us for more Smart Garden on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on WCCO Radio. Danny Long here, along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn and Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota, helping you out this morning. Oh, boy. We have callers and we have texters, which is not unusual. Let me grab this text before we go back to the phones. Uh, Texter says, I've been pulling grass out of flower beds, but would like to know, is there something to put in the soil to help keep that grass out but not hurt the flowers? What do you think? Oh man, um, I don't know. I don't really think there is. I'm not sure that uh, that there's anything to do. The problem is that you you can't use. Uh, I guess you could use a, a Maggie. Is there an herbicide for grassy weeds that would work in a garden? Um, there, I mean, there might be, but I, you know, I would just be very careful about something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing is to have a physical barrier. You know, like a like an edge that prevents sure. the grass from growing in there. I mean, what what else do you think, Julie? Well, I think the the problem is, is you have so much diversity in a garden bed that if, if you use something, you know, if you have ornamental grasses, you potentially could harm them if you use a herbicide for grassy weeds. I think you have to just keep, I like the barrier idea, and then just to keep working it out, just keep uh, keep pulling it out. Yeah, and if, and if there's some type of like mulch or, rocks there maybe it's not deep enough you know so add mm-hmm. over the top of that to make sure it's shading all the way down to the soil here's uh here's one from maggie do we mow before fertilizing or fertilizing before mowing um there's no right yeah. way <laughs> there's no right way i don't think you know uh i would wait a little bit on fertilizing this year and like i said people are starting to mow in the last week around mm-hmm. minneapolis where i live um, so it's okay to mow whenever you need to, right? Follow that rule of one third. So you're not taking off more than one third of the, the leaf blade at a time. And, you know, I see some grasses and along the road tides and stuff, it's getting up to four inches. And so it would be appropriate to mow. I'd wait a little bit on the fertilizer. I mean, wait a couple of weeks until grasses are growing a, a bit more. Um, so, you know, this weekend is going to be very wet and cold. Even next week, we're going to have temperatures in the sixties, but the lows are still in the 40s, and, and the grass growth is really slow. And we want to fertilize when the grass is actively growing, so it's going to take up those nutrients, um, and the nutrients won't get lost, you know, to the environment. Um, and so, you know, that usually a good time for that, or when grass would start really growing, is it's mid-May um, okay. historically. Yeah. Very good. 
All right, let's get back to the phones. Folks are waiting. Lynn is first up. You're calling from Watertown, I believe. Lynn, good morning. You're on CCO. Hi. We have three yellow magnolia trees that are approximately 10 years old. They appear very healthy. We have them placed in a triangle approximately 15 feet apart. My question is this. The one that is closest to the east, which is about... um, it was, it's about 30 feet away from a tall spruce, is not as prolific in the flowering. Um, it, it, looking at it, it appears to be getting sufficient sun. And as I said, all three appear healthy, but that is the one tree that does not perform in flowering. Okay, so I think that... I'm, I'm trying to visualize this now in my head, and um, I, I think if you think about flowering, that's a huge amount of plant energy that's used for that. It could be that that plant doesn't have as extensive of a root system as the other two do, and so it could use uh, maybe a fertilizer application. Um, there's tree spikes that you can pound into the soil around the, that gives you the instructions about the distance and how many based on the girth of the plant. And, uh, and that might be something to consider. If the trees are not, if they're growing in grass and not in mulch, I would think about mulching the whole group of three and creating a garden bed with these three magnolias as anchors. And that will do a couple of things. That will help to moderate the soil temperature so that it, the, the roots are cooler in the hot summer and they gradually go into dormancy in the winter and then gradually come out of dormancy in the spring. It also helps to hold in moisture, which could be an issue this year. We had a very dry uh, spring. Fortunately, we've had some rain, which is great. But we might have a drier part of the summer. That can really stress trees. And uh, and then also I would look at the branching, too. It may be that there you may not, you know, you know, the side that the other two trees are on might be doing some kind of uh, shading of that part of the tree. Uh, but I'm going to guess that it's the root system and then also just the stress on the trees. So I would say uh, just mulch them, water them. It's important to water established trees. And, uh, and then also um, just consider that uh, you might need to use some fertilizer on those trees. All right, very good. Uh, let's see. Ken Texter says, can I plant my spring tubers this week? Ooh, um, well, I think we're, uh, you know, boy, I hate to try to predict the weather. As, as Mark Seeley said in his Minnesota Weather Talk, we're on a roller coaster right now. Yeah, <laughs> I like we the, are. I like the term yo-yo also. Um, but uh, I think I would, I think I would probably hold off and just see if we kind of taper off in this these cold nights. Um, some of the tubers are pretty tough. But um, but we've had such wet, cold weather that I would be a little concerned that the tubers might start to rot. So I would maybe just hold off until we see a little things kind of level out a little bit more. You could plant them in containers right now and uh, and keep those kind of in a protected part of your yard for the time being. Um, but I think I don't think I'd put them in the ground quite yet. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Gene is calling in from Andover this morning. Gene, uh, you are on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering about crabgrass preventer. First, that someone said about mowing. Can I mow first, then put down crabgrass preventer? And then what about grass seed? Can I put 
So, okay, three things, mowing, crabgrass preventer, and seeding. The first thing I'm thinking is the, how crabgrass preventer and seeding will not mix. So if you put down crabgrass preventer, it's going to prevent anything from growing, any seed from growing. Um, so even if you put down some desirable grass seed, it will not grow in that same area. Um, so you're going to have to do that in separate areas. You know, yes, you can put down seed. You can mow at any time. Again, if, you, if you're mowing high enough, that shouldn't cause any problems. The seed is going to fall through any sort of grass canopy that you have. The mower is going to go over that. The crabgrass preventer, I'm assuming it's a granular product, so that'll, that'll fall through the grass canopy too, and you'll just be able to mow safely over the top of that. Um, there is, is pr we're pretty close to the end of the window for crabgrass preventer, um, but there is still time. I mean, if you don't, if you don't see crabgrass, growing, you can apply this preventer and it's going to be able to prevent um, new shoots or seedlings from growing. Uh, and again, like in Minneapolis-St. Paul, I haven't seen crabgrass yet, uh, but I expect it to come up any minute, you know, any day in the next couple of weeks. So there is still time, um, but uh, it, we're getting very near to the end of that window. Okay. This listener wants to know, can you talk about preparing window boxes for flowers? I like geraniums, Dexter says. What about soil? How to keep the soil moist when I cannot water for several days. That is the hardest part about window boxes. And window boxes are usually not very big. So as I said earlier about containers for tomatoes, make your window boxes as big as possible. And, and that means deep as well as wide. And that, that can be hard. You might have to build your own or, uh, or come up with you know, some, some method. You can line them with plastic. You can put in a plastic container that sits inside a decorative window box. You want to make sure that window boxes drain well. You don't want water sitting in them. And, uh, and the type of soil you can use is just a general potting soil that you would use in any kind of container. You don't want to use garden soil, but just buy a nice quality potting soil and that works out fine. The problem with watering it uh, can get into a big discussion, but basically you have to water those if it's dry regularly and, uh, and you can't let them go too long. So that means you want to choose plants that can tolerate drier conditions. Uh, for example, geraniums, you mentioned the seed geraniums. Those are the, the annual geraniums that we buy. They're a pretty tough plant and they work out very well for, for window boxes. They can tolerate a drier condition uh, they don't need a lot of fertilizer. They look great. Most of the summer you want to deadhead them, meaning take off the dead flowers, and you should have a pretty nice window box. Uh, if you look at plants that are a little bit more sensitive to moisture and need more moisture, that's when you're going to get into trouble if you can't water them all the time. Uh, other plants that are great are succulents. Other plants that are good are things like moss roses. Somebody mentioned that in an earlier call. So those are all drought-tolerant plants. But the bigger the window box, the better. That is one thing. And then just use a great general potting soil and choose plants that are drought tolerant. All right. Let's grab a phone call from Mike, who's calling in from Eden Prairie this morning. Mike, you're on with uh, Julie and uh, Maggie. Oh, good morning. Um, kind of to, for like a previous call, I've got a heavy shade area with oaks and maples. It's, I've been trying to plant grass in for a number of years. Is it viable to aerate that area? I've added uh, peat moss and compost over the last couple of years. And then if I try to put dense grass seed in, should I cover it with straw or anything? 
Um, so as far as grasses for shady areas, you know, your best choice of a, of a turf grass back there would be uh, fine fescue grasses. And fine fescues is a group of grasses. Look for creeping red fescue or chewing fescue or hard fescue on the, on the seed label specifically. Um, that's your best bet. But, you know, Julie and I go back and forth about this. So <laughs> maybe plant something else. If, you know, if it's, if it's so shady that you can't get any grass to grow, um, maybe think about doing something else. Um, but fine fescues would be your, your best opportunity at grasses. And then um, as far as um, adding other uh, soil material there, you know, I guess in aerifying, it depends. I mean, if, if you have compaction, then yes, it would be useful to aerify. Um, if you, you have low organic matter or low nutrients, then, then it would be appropriate to add compost. Um, Julie, do you have anything else to add? Well, I think the the one concern I have is with the airification around the tree roots. Uh, tree roots really spread out a, a great distance beyond the canopy. And so when you're doing that, you have to look at the size of the space. If it's a, a, a big, huge area and you have some big open space in there and it's just you've just got really mature trees that are overlapping, you could do some airifying in there. But I really agree with Maggie that I would... I would really mature trees that are overlapping. You could do some airifying in there, but I really agree with Maggie that I would I would look at maybe planting something other than grass in that area. You can try planting sedges. Sedges are small rooted plants. They are grass like. Um, there's lots of different kinds of sedges that grow in moist areas and in shade. That's a good option if you want a grass looking area. If you want a lawn to play games on or for your pets to run on then sedges are not going to be your, your choice necessarily. But that's a great place if you're trying to create or establish some kind of a ground cover in a shady location that looks like a grass. They don't require mowing. Um, they just, uh, you know, they're, they're perennial plants. So that's an option. You could also mix in some uh, shade-loving perennials as well. Hostas are, you know, the king of the shade plants. But there's also some good Minnesota wildflowers that grow well and, and bloom in the spring and the summer. So look at the look at the site and think, do we really need a lawn here or do we just want a grassy looking type of space? Uh, and then uh, maybe we want to plant a garden instead. There's a couple of options there. Very good. We need to take a quick break. We have more Smart Garden show to come here. Uh, we have callers. We have textures to stand by. 37 degrees on our way to near 50 today here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls or text messages for folks like Julie Weisenhorn and Maggie Ryder from the U of M helping you out today. And as usual, Maggie and Julie, so many folks to help out before we leave. But you know what we haven't mentioned um, is that great website, the U of M. Tell us about it because it's for folks that are new to the show, maybe are unaware of this great resource. Julie? Uh, so we've got the Yard and Garden website, which is at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, or you can type in the search box what you're looking for. We have uh, uh, masses of information in there, everything from vegetables to flowers, houseplants, soil, lawn care, landscaping, plant selection, trees and shrubs, fruits, 
uh, is this plant a weed? What's wrong with my plant? What insect is this? Plant diseases? You name it. We've got it on there. And uh, we also have the Yard and Garden News, which comes out twice a month. And we just uh, just published our latest uh, kind of news postings here. We've got great articles on cover crops and uh, about uh, sharing land, how to give access to your yard or garden to uh, farmers, tips for growing strawberries in containers from Annie Claude, dividing perennials. This is a great time to divide your perennials. Uh, Maggie and I put together something uh, from an, a question that we had call, um, called the dead bumpy lawn for those of you who have lawn issues. And uh, and then lots of other great information, too. And you can keep reading beyond that even. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's the Yard and Garden News and um, just great information. And there's also yeah. Ask Extension, too. If you don't get your questions answered on this show or have a thought during the week, you can always email us. And Master Gardeners are ready and willing to answer your questions. Great service. Extension.umn.edu. That is right. I think uh, we have time for another phone call. Edna's been waiting there. I still believe she's there in Alpa Valley. Thank you, Edna. What is your question? Would it be foolish? Thank you for this show. Um, would this be foolish to move? try to move a holly plant? When I first moved here 30 years ago, I didn't think it was ever going to make it. Now it's three feet in diameter, and it's growing uh, over toward my path, and I just don't know. It's really healthy. It never blooms, but the leaves are dark green and beautiful. I don't know what variety is it is because it was here when I came. It's in the sun, and I don't know how deep the roots are. It's probably going to be a big project to move it. Yeah, moving any kind of a shrub of that size is going to be a big project. So it would require uh, probably a couple of people to help you and uh, some sharp spades, and uh, you can try to move it. You have to kind of decide how bad is it, uh, you know, the situation it's in now. Do I want to risk maybe stressing the plant or potentially even losing the plant by uh, eliminating some of the roots? Um, so that's, you know, you just have to weigh that. And if you really find that, yes, I, if I don't move this plant, I have to cut it down because it's growing over my walk or in front of a window or a door, um, and then you want to definitely dig the hole ahead of time um, and then be ready to move that plant in as big a root ball as you can and get it into that hole. Water it well, just like it's a brand new planted shrub. And uh, we have a good website on watering established and watering newly planted shrubs and trees on our extension site under trees and shrubs. So you got to, first of all, decide, you know, is it really worth moving? Am I going to, is all the effort and then really get your site ready and put it in the right plant, the right place for it. So it sounds like full sun and give it enough room that you don't have to move it again. All right. We have a couple of minutes to go on the show. Here's a text that says, can you talk a little bit about bee friendly lawns, what plants work best, how to seed or plant them, et cetera, a bee friendly lawn. Yeah, uh, flowering bee lawns are really a hot topic um, right now. So by that, we mean a lawn that incorporates some type of broadleaf forb um, that produces flowers that provides pollinator support. Um, so it still persists under mowing, and it still has the same sort of functions as a lawn where you could walk across it or use it for recreation. Um, plants to use, clover is one of the best, and, and it's often like 
really just naturally occurring in a lot of lawns uh, in Minnesota. So clover is one. Another one that works well is creeping thyme. Another one is self-heal. Um, I'll, you know, I'll kick it over to Julie if you want to add any more plants, Julie. But as far as seeding them, you can just overseed these anytime into a lawn. I mean, the best times to do this are the dormant seeding time in November. And then the second best time is probably in the fall. Uh, but you could put the seed out now in the springtime and, and you might have some success. Uh, we got about a minute to go. Oh, okay. It doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to seed now, but the best times are more in the fall in the, in the dormant seeding time. Julie, do you want to add anything? Um, just that those flowers are selected for bee mixes and you can oftentimes find them um, uh, in mixes. And just bear in mind that a, a bee lawn mix is, is about 80 to 90% grasses. It's not a ton of flowers. It doesn't need to be because these plants are perennial and they spread. They also have great root systems that help to, to uh, lessen compaction in soil, which is important for good grass growth as well. All right. Well, thank you, Julie and Maggie. It was great to talk. Uh, let's do this again real soon because I know we have so many questions we left unanswered, and we thank our listeners for uh, for checking it out. But join us again next week. Maggie, Julie, have a good week, and it uh, should be a good one. I think a big we should talk next time about a lot of long grass blades that need to be cut by this time this week is done. Thank All you, right. guys. Thanks. Bye, Denny. Ju- Julie and Maggie from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready next hour. Andy Lindis will join us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 37 degrees now, heading for near 50. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.